Wedge Issues is brought to you by Wispolitics.com, a place where political insiders go for news, opinion, and campaign information. Once again, that's Wispolitics.com. David Bowen is a state representative from Milwaukee and the vice chair of the Democratic Party of Wisconsin. He is running now for the party's lead spot, hoping to serve as chair of the state party. I'm Jesse O'Poyan, and this is Wedge Issues, a Cap Times podcast about state government and politics in Wisconsin. If you listen to our most recent episode, you know that David Bowen has a little competition. He is running against Ben Wickler, who we featured in a previous interview. This week, I talked with Representative Bowen about what he thinks the party's been doing well, why Democrats were so successful at the top of the ticket in 2018, and what changes he would like to bring to the party. Stay tuned for that conversation. But first, Eric Lawrence and I will check in on this week's news. Eric, long time no see. Not really, actually, because I just saw you, but it's been a while <laughs> since we've uh, been in this room. I like that. You'd really try to set a scene there, but you, I mean, yeah. I it's can't just lie. Not true. I'm just really it's committed not true. to the truth here. Well, I mean, I feel like in normal circumstances, it would be true would be. because you've long worked out of the state capitol on your day to day, you know, mm-hmm. reporting routine. Not so anymore, not though. Yeah. 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 You're in the newsroom. It's great. I get to see you every day because you're no longer the state politics reporter I for am the, not. the Cap Times. That's right. You're an editor. I'm in middle management. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> yeah. You're the new opinion editor for the Cap Times, which is incredibly exciting. Yeah. Um, first week fully doing the job um, is it's on the books. So yeah. um, it's, it's weird. Eventually, I'll be trying to divide my time a little bit more between the state capitol and the newsroom so that I don't lose touch with what's going on there because I'll still be writing a weekly column and that'll be mostly about state government and politics. Yeah. Um, and most importantly, still going to be doing wedge issues. So yeah. got to know what's happening to, to talk about it. Uh, yeah. Well, what, do you, what do you do as opinion editor? Like what does your job entail? Yeah. Um, a lot of things that I had no idea about until I started doing it. Um, the There's a whole element of um, production, just putting the print newspaper together, putting that section together. I edit submissions. We get guest submissions from uh, community members or, or people who want to write about something. And um, we run those columns. We have a few somewhat regular columnists that we run, um, some on our own staff, some out throughout the state. Um, and, and we get letters to the editor. We also run the very popular editorial cartoons, which I think people get very upset about if you take them out of the yeah. paper or if you screw them up. So there's a lot of pressure on that do you, one. What, do you do editing when it comes to the cartoons? I like, just have to find some and oh, put okay. them on the pages. Okay, yeah, sure. I don't like, but yeah. Um, but, you know, finding the right ones to go with the columns and stuff. So yeah, I, I, I edit columns. I um, meet with people and try to get them to write for us, which uh, if you're listening to this, you should consider it a call for submissions. I'm trying to really diversify our opinion pages and get some fresh new voices on there. You know, we've had a lot of really great long-time writers who have been with us for a long time and we want to you know keep up that tradition but we want to shake things up a little bit and um, get some new voices in the mix and i write my own column too yeah oh you write your own column yeah yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. super quickly just an elevator pitch what do you think you're what are you thinking it's going to be like 
I've done uh, one so far. Well, I did one introducing myself, sort of letting people know I was taking the job. I did uh, one that ran earlier this week talking about a little kerfuffle in the Capitol over some legislation where Republicans and Democrats couldn't get along on something that they all agreed on. And I am figuring out what my next one will be. I've got a few good contenders. I had some really interesting conversations throughout the week and um, trying to figure out which one's going to make the cut. But it's going to be, yeah, just uh, kind of whatever's going on in the state and state politics, whatever seems most newsworthy and noteworthy and opinion worthy. Are you trying to cultivate like a persona? Like, are you going for like mm. a Friedman-esque or like a, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> a Krugman or a... Uh, you know, my opinion writer hero is Connie Schultz, who mm. uh, is married to Sherrod Brown. And so you've probably heard of her. If you haven't heard of her from her writing, you've probably heard of her um, in that context. But she uh, writes a column out of Ohio that's nationally syndicated, and it is uh, really excellent. And so, I agree. Yeah. I, you know, if I could kind of do right by that standard, then I'll be okay with it. Very cool. All right. Well, that's it for the week in Jesse news. Um, but there's also state politics news that no, we I can thought talk we were just about. talking about me. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of a yeah. We're we're pivoting the the show. It's just Jesse, <laughs> it's just, Jesse, it's Jesse. Just about me now. That's a new name of it too. Yeah. No longer wedge issues. It's Jesse, Jesse, Jesse. With featuring Jesse. Marks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, I think the big thing that people have been talking about this week has been Foxconn. Governor Tony Evers uh, told reporters yesterday that he is thinking about doing some renegotiation with the Taiwanese manufacturer, um, given that he does not anticipate there being the creation of 13,000 jobs in the state, those being the original terms of the um, the contract agreed upon back in 2017. With, it was an interesting time for the announcement that it kind of came on the heels of this uh, long article on The Verge that got a lot of attention, kind of questioning what is even going on in terms of the investments that Foxconn is making in the state. There's been some waffling, I think it's fair to say, in terms of what the, the company's messaging has been in terms of what its vision is. Anyway, yeah, what did you make of this announcement from Governor Evers? Yeah, you know, like you said, this follows just weeks and and months of there being an article published by generally a publication that's not in Wisconsin um, that calls into question sort of what we're hearing in Wisconsin. And then Foxconn says, oh, that was wrong. And then, you know, more confusion ensues. And it seems to be a cycle that just keeps happening (laughs) over and over again. And... We have learned, though, throughout the process, thanks to some of those confusing news cycles, that Foxconn is looking at, like you said, at least changing things a little bit from what was originally promised, mostly due to market forces and just you know, materials that are available in Wisconsin. So I think you know what Governor Evers is saying is it's time to recognize that reality and say, you know, if if Foxconn isn't going to be doing exactly what it said it was going to do in this contract, maybe we should renegotiate that contract because the contract is calling for 13,000 jobs and that seems unrealistic uh, based on what Foxconn is saying it can do. Uh, so Republican lawmakers have been a little upset to hear sure. this. They're saying this is a sign that Evers is going to blow up the contract and back out and um, ruin the deal, and it's proof that he was always out to undermine the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation. In the meantime, it sounds like Foxconn and Wiedek and Evers are still in communication and still having those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, so time will tell if it comes to the actual contract renegotiation point. 
Gotcha. Well, in other news this week, uh, there have been some updates in a story that has kind of been brewing over the past five years about what's going on at a juvenile corrections facility in northern Wisconsin, the Lincoln Hills facility. Um, and the the last week, had a, there were a couple of news stories. The, the first one had to do with the FBI announcing that it was not going to file civil rights charges against any of the uh, staffers at the facility over alleged abuse um, and use of excessive force against inmates there. That was on Friday. Uh, Jesse, why don't you run me through, like, tell me a little bit about that announcement, but and also tell me about everything else that that is the other news stories, the other headlines <laughs> throughout the week, because I have not been able to keep up with yeah, it's been what else has been happening. Yeah, it's been a sort of rapidly developing story this week. Um, so as you mentioned, this has really been brewing over the last several years, and so this FBI investigation has been sort of happening in the background while these allegations of abusive inmates um, and unsafe working conditions for staff have come to light at the state level. Um, this ultimately, after a lot of dogged reporting, um, and particularly the uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and the Wisconsin State Journal did a lot of work on this. So as, as those concerns were sort of brought to light um, in media and uh, in lawsuits, you know, in addition to the investigation, there were a handful of lawsuits filed by former inmates who had suffered abuse uh, at the facilities. Uh, so all, all of this has been going on while uh, we wait for the, the results of the FBI investigation. Um, it, it did prompt some action by legislators to eventually decide to close the facility and to um, sort of overhaul the juvenile corrections model. Uh, that project is still underway. Um, and in the meantime, since the announcement that the FBI wasn't going to be um, bringing any charges, uh, on Wednesday this week, Attorney General Josh Call did a event in Milwaukee, um, which I was at, uh, was one of the panelists on it, taking questions from reporters. And one of the questions that he was asked is whether he would uh, open a new investigation at the state level now that these, um, now that the federal investigation is done. And he said no. Um, you know, he, you know, the the federal investigation was thorough, and if this is the conclusion that it came to, there won't be a new investigation. Yeah, and um, there was a state DOJ investigation. There correct? was, yep. Yeah. And so, you know, basically, you know, it's it's been investigated, and um, and and that's that. I, I think at that point, that doesn't mean there aren't lawsuits still ongoing. And um, to to update on that, the Journal Sentinel reported also on Wednesday that Lincoln Hills has continued to use pepper spray and uh, continued to strip search inmates and um, not done enough to prevent suicide attempts uh, despite being ordered by a court a while ago to take measures to stop all of those things. So um, the the problem is far from over. And in in the meantime, there's an urgency to close the facility, um, but also a need to do that while making sure that there is a proper place to put all of the inmates once the facility is closed. Yeah. And that closure is slated for 2021, correct? Yeah. And it's still being negotiated whether that can be extended um, and, and how long that would be potentially extended. Gotcha. Okay. Finally, let's talk about a piece of legislation that was introduced on Tuesday by Attorney General Josh Call, along with a bipartisan group of lawmakers. And this is legislation that would create statutory guidelines about what to do with sexual assault evidence kits. Um, These kits are literally little kits of forensic evidence collected from sexual assault victims. And notoriously, 
um, there's been a backlog of these these kits, unprocessed kits in the state of Wisconsin. A lot of attention was called to this, I believe, in 2015, thanks to some investigative reporting. There were thousands of kits across the state that simply weren't being processed, in part due to sort of inconsistent policies and guidelines about what to do with them. Josh Call has kind of given this issue a lot of focus. He gave a lot of flack toward the former Attorney General, Brad Schimmel, for the accumulation of these kits across the state. Um, The backlog is uh, no longer as abject from what I understand. Nevertheless, this is legislation to ensure that it doesn't happen again, (laughs) that um, there is some policy at the state level for what to do with these evidence kits. Yeah, I mean, you you covered it pretty well. Um, a big part of the problem in creating that backlog is that there were inconsistent policies for what to do. So this bill sets requirements at sort of every level where they're dealt with. So it sets timelines and reporting requirements for the healthcare employees who uh, are the ones who see these victims. Usually first, um, it provides requirements and timelines for law enforcement once information is given to them, and then it does the same for the state crime labs. And so it puts uh, timetables and reporting requirements into place and gives them a little bit more of a roadmap of here's what to do and how and when to do it when you're presented with this issue. And it's I guess it's just a good example of a problem that everyone has agreed is a problem and people actually finding a solution or at least attempting to find a solution, which is kind of what you want to see in the legislature. Yeah. Well, lastly, I guess we should talk a little bit about presidential politics, given yeah. that We've had a, a whole bunch of folks visiting the state who are in the race, right? We've had, I think, Amy Klobuchar was months ago up in Eau Claire. Beto O'Rourke was in Madison and Milwaukee a couple times. Most recently, Bernie Sanders was in Madison a week ago mm-hmm. uh, in the cold, windy weather outside at James Madison Park. Uh, Donald Trump, the president, is coming later this month, and I think that's showing that he's not going to give up the fight easily on Wisconsin while all the Democrats are making a point to not ignore the state. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it may behoove us to to point out that Wisconsin was a big focal point in the aftermath of the 2016 election just because it was one of the very close states um, that eventually got called for Donald Trump, and it came to light that Hillary Clinton hadn't, I believe she didn't visit Wisconsin at all after she, the primary Not election. after the primary. Something she got a lot of flack yep. for. So I, yeah, Wisconsin, I feel like has taken on a bit of some Wisconsin's significance becoming, for yeah, campaigns. Definitely. Um, obviously having the convention here uh, for the Democrats in Milwaukee will, another sign of that. But yeah, I think I, I've, I've heard in the time since Donald Trump announced uh, Cory Booker is going to be visiting Milwaukee. I think I saw that Amy Klobuchar is going to be doing uh, Fox News Town Hall in Milwaukee. So everyone's coming back and coming multiple times. Yeah, everyone's making their way through Wisconsin. Yeah, well, cool. It's so great to be back. It's good to be back. Also, let's wish Eric a happy birthday. It was his birthday this week. Aw, yeah. Did you have a good birthday? I did. Yeah, thank you very much, Jesse. Good as always to talk about state politics with you. See you next time. Bye. I am State Representative David Bowen, uh, currently the first vice chair of the Democratic Party of Wisconsin and uh, candidate for chair uh, this this cycle. So and we're about seven weeks out from uh, the convention, uh, June 1st and 2nd in Milwaukee. Yeah, this, this race is well 
on its way, crisscrossing the state, almost in a different county every night. And uh, by the time I get home, I just go there to sleep. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah we're I mean, busy. You've got to hit all the different county party meetings oh, yeah. and the different congressional district conventions. That's and, right. Yeah. That's right. we got to engage folks. So we're, uh, we're well on our way. And I have an awesome ticket. Um, Tammy Wood out of Sauk County. She's a chair of the Sauk County Dems. Awesome rural level organizer. And uh, Alicia Lorta. She's 19 years old, college student at UW-Madison and uh, from Kenosha and uh, awesome youth organizer. So we, we got a good mix. Um, well, so you're, you're, you're coming into this um, already in a leadership role um, in the Democratic Party. So talk to me first about why you decided to, to run for the position that you're in now and kind of what you've been doing in that role. Yeah, yeah. First off, I'm so thankful for uh, Martha Lanning um, reaching out to me back in 2015. Uh, she was gearing up to run for chair and she reached out to me because she believed my leadership had some value to be able to contribute uh, to the party. So you know, there have been a number of uh, things that I've seen over those four years. We literally went from being the butt of everybody's jokes mm-hmm. in 2015. Mm-hmm. We would go across the uh, across the country and talk to folks, and they try to understand like why is Scott Walker still elected <laughs> in Wisconsin? And we said, hey, hey, we we know that you're trying to joke about us now, but give us some time. We we're, we're building something special in Wisconsin, and um, lo and behold, we were able to do that. 2018, unprecedented midterm year, you know, 1.7 million phone calls, 23,000 volunteer shifts, and over 250 neighborhood teams all over the state um, that were diligent about taking the time out of their schedule, their energy, their passion, and putting it into the campaign uh, effort. And out of that, you had Tony Evers elected governor, Mandela Barnes, uh, first African-American Statewide elected officials since Val Phillips, mm-hmm. major uh, to be lieutenant governor. Josh Call become attorney general. Sarah Gawlewski become state treasurer. And uh, Doug LaFollick, who everybody tries to forget about, but I make <laughs> sure that they don't. He's, um, just, he's, he's just there. You just assume that he's there. You know, yeah. Rem- remembers that they need to mention him. <laughs> exactly. As our secretary of state. So uh, really, really excited. Yeah. So how do you maintain that? I mean, you know, there, there's obviously a lot of enthusiasm built by Democrats after uh, the Trump election, after kind of the, the way that things have gone in, in midterms sure. in recent years. Sure. And then you, you guys had a really big year. Uh, how do you keep people from sitting back and you thinking, OK, well, things are pretty good now? Yeah. I mean, and, and it's that, that type of uh, feeling that kind of lets the urgency slip a little bit. And, um, you know, I think it's important as you think about what just happened last week when we had the state Supreme Court race. There was some, uh, let's just say, uh, our, our foot came off of gas a little bit, right? The effort that we had to go into communities and, and provide the same type of outreach and engagement was not there. It's, it's really incumbent upon us to make sure that we are stepping up and to have organizing infrastructure that is going to be consistent. And uh, I think it's it's one of the things that we, especially um, coming in post-2015, after uh, the Mary Burke uh, uh, loss in 2014, 2016, Donald Trump winning, and uh, having to go from scratch of actually building an organizing infor- apparatus that has a lot of connections to the grassroots level. And now moving forward, we know that we have to tie those things together. Uh, we, we've seen the toll that it takes of having outside talent parachute into different areas of the state. And uh, we're really uh, focused on this homegrown talent pipeline. Uh, 
uh, that can really get the same folks from our communities, young people and uh, folks that are retired, and, and to get them engaged and use their intellectual capital that they have because they know their communities and, and, and those areas like the back of their hands. They know where the barn breakfasts are. They know where the grid diners to go to to talk to everybody and that you can make connections. They know those annual events that you have to show up at. You know, we want to infuse even more of that type of engagement to make it authentic. And uh, I, I think if we're able to do that, we'll, we'll see a lot more success, consistent success, not just moments, but movements that will continue more than two years. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about you since you're asking for people's votes. Um, yeah. You represent Milwaukee in the legislature. You were on the Milwaukee County Board before that. Yeah. Um, what was your pathway to politics? I never planned on, ele- on running for, for elected office. Um, I literally, you know, I don't come from a popular family or uh, from uh, all these resources uh-huh. and, and uh, trust funds. <laughs> you know, that's not my story. Um, but my story goes back to, you know, 2007 when I started working for Urban Underground, a youth organization on the north side of the city of Milwaukee, working with young people and youth-led social change efforts to uh, impact the communities of their schools and their neighborhoods around them. Young people are so powerful. And uh, when you're able to really give them the tools and the support needed, they can really change uh, a a lot of really big things that they usually aren't really counted towards uh, uh, being able to be a stakeholder at that table. And uh, that youth-led social change work uh, changed my life and uh, showed me how big the impact of uh, working with young people and uh, uh, the efforts that they can create uh, from scratch um, to be able to impact their communities. I remember uh, being a young person demanding the uh, uh, the change in the Milwaukee County budget uh, probably back in 20, 2004, three, right? Um, so that they didn't close two really important community centers, Kosciuszko Center and King Center, um, in the, at the time, uh, County Executive Scott Walker budget. And uh, the, the county board saw us, uh, you know, really fighting to ensure that these resources would stay there for the communities which they serve. And, um, you know, we were proud of ourselves because the county board ended up changing that decision and saving those community centers. And we felt like we had a real impact. And there's a, this old picture of uh, us debating Scott Walker at the table, <laughs> which is really cool. But it really just shows the proof that young people really have the key to be able to push issues that um, that affect them, that they wake up every day not knowing how to address. And uh, they have a huge opportunity um, to, to be able to change those things rather than just feeding into the notion that, oh, you're too young. Um, you have no place here. Let other people make the decision. Um, it, it is a more empowering uh, perspective. Um, so what are some of the things that you worked on on the, on the county board? Obviously, working in local government is a little yeah. different. You can sometimes get more things done if you're sure, um, sure. Not, not serving in the minority like you have yeah. been in the legislature. Um, yeah. What, what kind of stuff did you work on there? Yeah. The, the biggest bill that I passed at the county board was uh, living wage jobs. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it was incumbent upon us because we had so many uh, – a few folks that had county employee uh, uniforms on, but also finding out this loophole of so many contractors with Milwaukee County at the time, um, not paying their staff, not paying their workers uh, a living wage. And uh, we were creative about it. We tied the living wage at the time uh, to the poverty rate for a family of four. And we said, if you at least need to be paid enough 
uh, to be able to support a family. We also had a chance to invest into uh, youth transportation options, and um, we were trying to follow in line with uh, the amazing things that happened here in Dane County <laughs> um, and the city of Madison, where uh, uh, they actually have uh, a progressive uh, transit system, fare system. So uh, we provided transportation for young people that had jobs uh, one summer to really look at, you know, if we are able to invest in the young people and reward them for being um, contributing members and taxpayers, what does that look like? And uh, we were able to do that. Um, I remember being so nervous this day that we planned to actually do a demonstration on the floor of the county board because at the time that was, I, I believe, Eric Gardner um, lost his life um, to police officers. And um, we wanted to make sure that we stood up for the fact that so many black people in our community and people of color are experiencing being treated um, not just unfairly, but losing their lives and, and not doing anything wrong, not doing anything illegal. And uh, so we uh, had these I Can't Breathe shirts under our suits and uh, there are these pictures from us on the county board, me. And so that was really exciting um, to show just the power of our platform and to be able to uh, really give a glimpse of folks to remember the fact that uh, it, is, it is really up to us and incumbent upon us to stand up for folks when uh, not everybody is. So it was it was important. And uh, I, I love the county board. Oh, my gosh. I could get a lot of stuff done. Yeah. Um, compared to state government. <laughs> yeah. And uh, ended up running for, for state government in 2014. Um, amazing uh, legislator by the name of Sandy Pash once represented the 10th district. And she uh, literally uh, encouraged me to uh, take a shot at the seat um, after she retired. So um, it was uh, really cool to be able to uh, look at a new district that is actually one of the most diverse districts in the state. Um, I represent working class neighborhoods in the city of Milwaukee and historic black neighborhoods in the Rufus King uh, High School neighborhood as well, right off of Capitol Drive. Uh, I represent the 30th Street Corridor where there were more than 20,000 jobs uh, in, in that in that corridor alone from really big employers that now have moved on to uh, shipping those jobs overseas. And uh, I, I represent also the, the whole village of Shorewood. So up to the lakefront, um, folks that live in mansions and uh, uh, upper class, upper middle class uh, neighborhoods as well. But it, it is so powerful that we can get folks to come together and uh, really see uh, that we uh, definitely uh, share more uh, and what, what brings us together than what tears us apart and folks that can advocate on issues that might not affect them directly all the time, but knowing that it's for the greater good. So uh, it has been an amazing experience representing the 10th District. I say some of the hardest working people in the state of Wisconsin, uh, 55,000 of them that uh, really do love each other and really want to have the best of uh, the state of Wisconsin be uh, solidified in our future. You talk about coming together and, and the only way to get anything done in a legislature, regardless of what I mean, really, whether there's divided government or not, is finding a way to work together with the people in the Capitol building. Yeah, um, absolutely. You've had experience with that on, I know, on the criminal justice uh, reform legislation that was one of the few really big bipartisan wins. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about that and sure. kind of how the dynamic has changed with a Democratic governor and a Republican legislature. Yeah, the 
coalition that was able to come together around Act 185 and uh, the closing of Lincoln Hills really, I think, represent a moment where politics, especially in Wisconsin, has been as polarizing as, as it's ever been. Um, but for us to see that there can be some common ground for us to connect. There also were some important pressures, and I, I think every member of the media, uh, for highlighting the, the concerns, uh, the developments of what was happening at Lincoln Hill, so that it could raise this political moment for us to come together and put some things aside. So we are now at a point where Lincoln Hills has a closing date, and there are some things that we're still trying to work through uh, with some technical changes in the bill, um, some flexibility for counties so that they don't have to build as rigid of uh, the, the system-based uh, facilities that we've always used. Um, but it really is about creating this new Wisconsin model to be able to get young people back on the right track. I met a young man. Um, who actually actually went to young to, to Lincoln Hills, and he ended up being a college student at UW Green Bay, and uh, you know that that trajectory that now a, a lot more young people will have, especially with facilities and locations that won't be prison like and jail like and bars and barbed wire and guards. It will be about. Uh, especially young people that are coming back to our community. It'll be about infusing development uh, into their lives, pouring into them uh, hope and opportunity. Uh, I think we're at a major shift. We still have some more work to do, for sure. And, and that we have seen legislators like uh, Representative Shra, uh, Representative uh, Evan Goyke, um, you know, at the time, uh, Scott Walker and now uh, Governor Evers all be willing to push the ball forward. And Senator Wangard, I should highlight as well, um, Senator Taylor, uh, man, so many folks that, mm-hmm. that were able to come to the table and, and say, you know, how do we really work this out? And, and now the legislature is in budget season, um, which is yeah. uh, always contentious, but perhaps more so than it has been because, again, it's it's divided government. Um, what do you see as kind of the themes coming out through that and potential areas where you think uh, lawmakers might be able to, to get back on the same page? Yeah, I'm really hoping that we can come to an agreement not to touch the education part of the budget, right? We have a governor that just was the state superintendent for public schools. So I'm pretty sure he knows (laughs) how to make some decisions that are in the best interest of our kids. And uh, I think a lot of folks around the state would support that. I mean, the truth of where we are right now is, you know, I represent the 10th District, the Wisconsin National Guard's Emergency Readiness Center uh, is in the capital improvement budget. And the Capital Commission ended up voting against, right, the improvements for that facility. And, you know, you put that on top of a cancer research facility with the Medical College of Wisconsin. It's kind of baffling that we are at this point where uh, it's much more about scoring political points rather than doing what our communities and our, our constituents need us to do. Um, but I get it, right? We 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 got to get that out of our system, Okay, and then then come back to the table and say, okay, you you done yet, right? <laughs> um, let's let's have a real conversation and, and figure out how do we do this. At the end of the day, I think we all can win, but we all could lose too. And uh, I, you know, I think what we're seeing on the Republican side in particular right now is it's a lot of huffing and puffing, uh, a lot of sore feelings after the last election. But you know, that has no place. Now it's time to govern. 
and uh, we got a lot of stuff to do. We got potholes to fix. <laughs> we <laughs> we literally have bridges that uh, that need repair. We have families that are waiting on access to healthcare uh, all around the state. You know, we have real families that have real problems, real issues that could be solved if we are able to come together. And hopefully folks on both sides are willing to see that. So pulling back to the national level a little sure, bit, um, sure. Bernie Sanders was in town last week. You were the the only superdelegate in 2016 who pledged to Bernie in, in Wisconsin. Is that right? I was. Yeah. yeah. I was um, the first superdelegate and um, um, that was an honor. And, and you know, I, I tell folks all the time, I declined to endorse both candidates at the time, uh-huh. Senator Sanders and Secretary Clinton. And I wanted them to go in the state and say, hey, take your message and see if it resonates with the people of Wisconsin first, and then we can have a conversation. And uh, clearly, at that time, 71 out of 72 counties going to Bernie, huge deal. But then at the same time, the uh, distribution of delegates and uh, superdelegates, because some folks were already pledged to a certain side, uh, I think it was it was really incumbent upon me to uh, make sure that I was being accountable for the the folks across the state that were seeing what was happening and and wanted some parity to be there. I'm assuming if as you're running for party chair, you're probably not going to endorse a, a candidate in that race right now. Uh, is that is that right? Correct. I had a chance to actually talk to Bernie uh, just last week as he was here, and. Um, uh, I'm definitely excited about the issues that he'll be talking about. But at the same time, we have so many amazing candidates that are talking about a whole lot of issues. Elizabeth Warren talking about taking on the tech giants and so many other Kamala Harris and her agenda around health care. Um, everybody's agenda around health care. I think healthcare probably is like the one issue as it <laughs> helped us in 2018 yeah. to be able to distribute and, and, and separate ourselves from our Republican counterparts and say, like, look, we understand that. Uh, some people are not getting their fair share, um, and some people are. Uh, clearly, when you have a system that profits off of other people's demise and 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 lives, um, so I think you will see that from a number of the candidates, um, Mayor Pete, Cory Booker. You're going to see it from Tulsi Gabbard uh, out of Hawaii. Um, there are just like so many amazing candidates that are in the race. I, I'm, I'm cheering for all of them because I truly do believe that they all have the potential to beat Donald Trump. And in this scenario right now, we have one of the most divisive presidents in, I would say, in U.S. history now willing to double down and has his own secretary stepping down because he's asking them to do things that now they're even uncomfortable with. So. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very just trying to just be able to see this whole thing play out. But I'm so hopeful that we have amazing candidates, including Senator Sanders, um, who is, you know, I, I feel like he he's coming in in 20, uh, 2020, the same uh, strength that Hillary came in in 2016. So looking at the, the state again, the state party, what have Democrats in Wisconsin been doing right these last few years? Yeah, I think um, one of the, the good things that we do right is that we start earlier than uh, our coordinating efforts um, than we have. And that's really important. Uh, when you start early, you can you can raise the resources earlier. You can position uh, and make plans for staffing much earlier than you would. I think one of the other things that we've done right is uh, we've been able to, uh, especially with Martha's leadership, the amount of fundraising that's necessary to be there. Has, has continued to move in the right direction. Um, and I, I would hope that we can even 
uh, leverage even more small dollar donations because I feel like uh, there has to be a clear reliance on the the bread and butter of our party, the uh, working class people who can chip in that ten twenty dollars repeatedly. Uh, luckily, we've made some small gains, and uh, hopefully, that goes in the in that direction a whole lot more. Um, what are things that you would want to change or improve on? Um, things you might do differently? Yeah, you know, I think for too long we've been reliant on outside uh, strategies, and uh, uh, one of the things that really hurt us in 2016 is that the the operation was so isolated in Brooklyn and not really uh, catered to what we need to do here in Wisconsin, especially in rural Wisconsin and urban Wisconsin, you know, that we we need to bring that back and uh, we need to have a lot more control. Our party leaders need to have a whole lot more insight on what that strategy is. Um, so I, I'm really excited, you know, if we have the chance to really highlight the data that usually is housed uh, specifically at, at DPW, but the strategy that can be built with party leaders because they're the ones that are on the ground. They uh, know those communities. And uh, if we're able to have a conversation on a regular basis and say, hey, by the third quarter of this year, this is where we need to be to be in the best position to beat Donald Trump. I think there are a lot of party leaders that we would be willing to have that conversation, that type of uh, engagement. We know our, our Republican colleagues uh, on the other side, they have massive amounts of money and we don't have usually access to those type of resources. So we have to be specific about making sure that we're pouring development into folks that actually will be around rather than uh, someone coming here from Rhode Island and then they come in and they do some work and they're nice and they're great, but then they're <laughs> going to leave because they're going to be poached to work for somewhere else. Sure. And we need folks to be able to be consistent, right? And to have that intellectual capital right here in the state of Wisconsin. Wedge Issues is sponsored by WISPolitics.com. You can become a WISPolitics.com member. Find out more at WISPolitics.com slash membership. Are you ready to go into the lightning round? Lightning round it is. Lightning Let's do round. it. Okay. What is your favorite Wisconsin beer? River West Stein. Very good. What is, what did you, do you know? And that's in my district too. Right, I, I was going to say, that's a, that's a smart answer. That's like, that's, yeah, that's a really solid beer though. Uh, do you know, like you guys, when you signed the, the DNC contract, you guys were drinking beer and I asked a couple people, no one knew what kind of beer it was. Do you know what kind of beer you guys drank when? That is a good question. It tasted like we were drinking Miller. I would assume it was yeah. some sort of like a highlight for Miller Lite or yeah. something. Yeah. A good Milwaukee. Yeah. Flagship. Okay. I'm gonna beer. find out someday. But yeah, okay. Um, what's the best concert that you've ever been to? Ooh, best concert, um, Outcast Summerfest twenty fourteen, uh, while I was running for state. Oh good. And this was the one Yeah. <laughs> this was the one time I could take off and like actually do something fun before I went and worked myself to death again. Yeah. So like I needed that at that moment. Like Outcast rejuvenated release. me that day. <laughs> Um, so outside of Milwaukee, where in Wisconsin do you feel most at home or what's your favorite place to visit in Wisconsin? Mm, outside Milwaukee, uh, Cedarburg. Okay. What's Cedarburg has a really cool winery. Oh, cool. And uh, my wife loves Cedarburg. Great. Yeah. Going back to your district, if someone were visiting your district for the first time, what would be a couple things that you would tell them you absolutely have to check out? Okay. Just in the district or the city? Um, 
Um, you can go to the whole study, but if you want to be okay. district spe- uh, specific, you can. Okay. Um, you have to go to Goody Gourmet in Shorewood, Oakland Avenue. Um, some of the best caramel popcorn, mm. cheddar popcorn mix you can find. You have to go to Mr. Perkins for breakfast. And uh, Coffee Makes You Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, really good venues. Um, right in the community. What else? If you are here... Specifically in the district. Oh, and then you got to go to uh, to the lakefront. There you go. And catch that view. Yeah. You got to go to the lakefront so and catch that view. So gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um. So if you're driving back and forth or driving anywhere. Oh, you... then oh. go to Culver's. I'm sorry. Oh, Culver's. Yes. <laughs> All right. Then yeah. go to Culver's. Yeah. That's always go to Culver's. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you're in the car commuting, um, do you usually listen to podcasts, radio, or music, or mix? Oh, that's a good question. Okay. So check this out. Um, rest in peace in Nipsey Hussle. Mm-hmm. I have been stuck on his music on repeat. Right? I just yeah. couldn't, I can't get yeah. rid of it. Um, it's that good. Um, and I feel so bad because I had him in the queue, right? I feel like mm-hmm. it's like folks, when I start doing something and people are like, you haven't called me yet. I'm like, you're in the queue. I'm sorry. You're in the queue. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm moving up the queue. I'm going to call you. <laughs> and then, so it's like the same he, thing. Yeah. So he, his album, Victory Lap, was like literally in the queue and I just haven't listened to it. Um, because I, I, I can listen to an uh, album repeatedly, yeah. like, for a long, long time. Yeah. And it's not even, like, normal. People <laughs> would be like, you need to start listening to something else. I'm like, yeah, I should, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yep, been yep. listening to that. Uh, I have a Audible account. Last Audible book I heard was Michelle Obama's Becoming. And then podcasts. Of course, shouts out to State Reppin'. State Reppin', me right. and Jonathan Brustoff, right in the 10th and the uh, Jonathan District. I don't know. I'm blanking on it. I'm in the 10th, and he's in the 19th. Okay. I know that, right? Okay. Um, but our borders, our, our district's border. So right at um, River West Video. That's where we every Monday we uh, we do a we do a radio show, and we are well over 100 episodes. So we have so many. So many episodes that people can go back and track. So, and now I have to start listening to your podcast. That's right. Yeah, we'll yeah. do a little exchange here. You, I'll listen to State Rep and yeah. you listen to this, and, and then uh, the, the presidential <laughs> candidates got to come on. That's yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, Julian you know. Castro was just here over the weekend, and Bernie was just here. So, mm-hmm. you got to yeah, make sure you get your drops. I'm trying. Okay. <laughs> Um, okay, so if you made a Wisconsin bucket list, um, so something that you've never done, a place you want to go, a thing you want to try, what would the the big thing on that be? The Wisconsin bucket list. Um, I feel like I need to ice fish. Yeah. I feel not... like that's a real Wisconsin yeah. like activity. Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes went ice fishing for the first he did. time. He did with like, Nick Milroy. Yeah. So you hear that, Nick? You got to take me next. Yeah. This is the, the ask has been made. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah, I, yeah. I, I would, I've never done that either. I would like to do that too. I feel like I got to go hunting too, though. Yeah. Um, I, I did that for the first time a couple of years ago. Maybe I can them. get yeah. uh, former Representative Cleefish, Joe Cleefish, to take me hunting. He's the one who took me, so I would recommend that. No, nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So he's, he's taking he's everybody. Good, yeah, he's a good <laughs> So Yeah, someone I was talking to is like, he's probably responsible for like the most new hunters. In nice, the state. nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so outside of Wisconsin, what's the um, favorite place that you've ever traveled? Favorite place, Jamaica. My parents were from Jamaica, and um, you know it's it's much different than when you 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 travel and you visit mm-hmm. and you go to the resort. Um, but like we are literally in the countryside. We're in you know uh, the heart of 
Montego Bay and Kingston and uh, people are amazing. And the views, Lord have mercy, the views like do something to you. And you're like, okay, I think I could move here. Yeah. And just like, I'll just eat off the land, eat mangoes <laughs> and drink coconut water for the rest of my life. Okay. Last question. Okay. Favorite Wisconsin cheese? Hmm. Um, I'm going to say, uh, what's the cheddar you get at the cheese castle? Oh man, they probably got more than one. I think they that's have probably a lot. no. Dis- yeah. That's probably no description. Um, but they they have a couple. Any of their cheddars. Yeah. So you should. I, I mean, I, I hope that most people know about the cheese castle. But if people don't know about it, yeah. just give us a little primer on the cheese castle. Right out of uh, that's the Kenosha line, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm out of I'm out of Racine by then, and you are on your way to Chicago. All you got to do is look to the right. You're going to see this massive castle that you have to go and just get some really good cheese. Uh, they will treat you right. Yeah. It's every time I'm driving, I'm like, this can't be real. And it is. That's and amazing. Jamaicans love cheese. Really? I feel like this is a match made in heaven. That's perfect. I'm in the right place. You are in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> Your parents right did place. all right for you. Yeah. yeah. Good. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on. I'll let you close this out with the kind of your, your elevator pitch for people who are listening who might be uh, voting at the convention and deciding who they're going to support. Absolutely. First off, thank you so much uh, for bringing me on the show and for the amazing folks that are out there that are Democrats, that are that want to be members of the party, and uh, they will be attending convention this June 1st and 2nd. Uh, I would be honored to have your, your vote. Um, there are so many things that we need to do. And I'm glad that I've been around for the last four years to be able to see the intricacies of what we need to do to be able to move the ball forward. We get frustrated all the time because there are things that we we just haven't risen to the occasion to do. And uh, I feel like I would be able to provide the leadership necessary to move us from from moments to movements uh, to be able to build in the, uh, the untapped potential of our party and uh, be able to have this established homegrown talent pipeline that we know that we all need uh, that, but hasn't been solidified. So we have so much work to do, and uh, it would be an honor for folks to support the future of the party ticket, the most diverse ticket in party history, David Bowen, Tammy Wood, and Alicia Lord. Thank you for listening to Wedge Issues. Our theme music is Oh, Wisconsin by Loxley. We'll be back every week with new episodes on Fridays, so make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to stay up to date. If you have any feedback or suggestions for me, you can find me on Twitter at Jesse Opie, or you can email me at J-O-P-O-I-E-N at Madison.com. If you like Wedge Issues, be sure to check out our other Cap Times podcasts like The Madsplainers and The Corner Table, which just started a really cool new feature called Making a Restaurant, which I highly recommend. We'll see you next week. Wedge Issues has been brought to you by WISPolitics.com. There are plenty of benefits to becoming a member. You can go to WISPolitics.com slash membership to find out more.